This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake Them Ropes, episode 298, War Games. Also, the NXT UK women get a title. Leo Rush gets his first loss. With me, Chris Novembrino. Chris, it's time for the cleanup section. The floor is yours. I would like to begin with a a somber and reflective ha-ha for Leo Rush's first (laughs) loss. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Oh, well, while we're here, I'll get the plug in. Patreon.com slash Shake Them Ropes. We're going to start putting out uh, premium content in December. Uh, holidays are coming holidays are coming so maybe I'll have some time to record some audio That's Santa Hawks is going to bring us something really really good this year yeah maybe maybe we'll see really Um, I am hyped for this war games card I really am I'm going live and the reason why is as a kid war games meant so much like if you go on the WWE network I, I double checked this and they have a collection, which is basically from the Blu-ray, for the most part, of uh, of the war games that they have. Any war games before 92, 92 and before, are really good. I mean, that's when you get Dusty and the Road Warriors. You know, you have that 89 one, which is kind of weird, with the Road Warriors and the Midnight Express, and Dr. Death versus the Freebirds and the Samoan SWAT team, which is his own kind of awesome uh, the closest I ever got, I did see a live war games in Norfolk, Virginia in 91, which was uh, the year I graduated high school. But it was, I mean, listen to this lineup. This is a nothing lineup. It's Sting, Lex Luger, the Yellow Dog, which is Brian Pillman under a mask or Shane Douglas under a mask. I can't remember which one that was. And El Gigante against Barry Windham, Nikita Koloff, Kevin Sullivan, and the One Man Gang with Magnum TA as a special guest referee. It was it was it was not the blood feuds of the early 90s and and late 80s war games, but I highly suggest if you want to see some some carnage, go go watch some of those on the network, but uh yeah, I've uh, got a lot to Let's go over. Let's begin with the cleanup section, though. So yes, the clean- I want to talk let me ex- about... Let me explain okay. the cleanup explain section. Explain the cleanup section. The, the cleanup section is there are certain points at Raw or SmackDown that sometimes we miss, sometimes we gloss over, sometimes we meant to talk about it. And this is why the second show is always good, that we can double back and go, oh, yeah, we forgot to go over this. So, Chris, cleanup section opens with you, sir. Yeah, so I want to talk about the Dean Ambrose promo from Monday, and we sort of had it on the slate, but then we moved into our Survivor Series preview. But I found that promo to be wholly unsatisfying, and you might not be surprised by that. Obviously, I have problems with the idea that Dean Ambrose doesn't have to explain himself, and those problems go a little bit deeper because someone put together a whole bunch of stuff that WWE did the first time the Shield broke up, where Dean Ambrose was talking about how if there was ever a betrayal, Seth wouldn't even have to worry about it. All of the cards, all of the pieces to this story have been available to them, 
and they have elected not to go down that path. But my real issue with them punting on explaining why Dean Ambrose did what he did is it now makes Seth's journey sort of meaningless. What is he fighting for at this point? He's the real casualty of the lazy punt of the writing, not Dean Ambrose, although I would also argue that Dean Ambrose suffers. Um, I am going to agree with you. I, this, this promo, I thought it was good at first, and then as I stood back and, and watched, I went, no, you, you can't do that. You, you, if someone says, I'm not going to give you an explanation, it's because they haven't thought of an explanation other than they wanted to do this. Um, he would have been better off saying, I do what I want. I, I would have just had him be silent, but that was kind of ruined when he came back. See, the whole problem with this turn right now was we've done the Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins reconciliation storyline the first time when we were trying to get the shield back. Now we have the second time and they cut and the shield reunion is cut short. And so we have to think of another reason to break these two up again. And I, I think, yeah, no, I agree. I saw that video package. I thought it was well done. And you could have, you know, you could have shown seeds and things like that. But, you know, it's he's sitting on a car and he just decides to burn the shield gear. It's like, okay. That part was good. Yeah. But that is a good ending to a beginning that didn't occur. Yes, I, I agree. And, and you know what? It, if we had had the first Dean Ambrose here, if we had had the original shield Dean Ambrose, then we all really thought, oh, man, he's, he's, he's giving off. Heath Ledger Joker vibes here in terms of how good he was. I mean, that that's really <laughs> that's really the main tragedy of, of The Shield is that, that when you're watching those promos... And that Joker vibe plays so perfectly off of the calculating, constructing architect vibe that Seth has. So you yeah. can always have this fire and ice thing between Ambrose and Rollins if you just stick to that character. Seth was the planner, Roman was the muscle, and Dean was kind of the wild card. And and that's what made them them so great that time, but they were all focused on violence. And then and then, you know, when they when they broke them up the first time, it was, you know, pro, as 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 we said here on Shake Them Ropes prop comic Dean Ambrose, you know, ketchup and mustard coming out of the back of an ambulance with things and you know it was wacky stuff it, it just they they didn't get the menace part of the chaotic well, neutral that they don't of, know how to make chaos right yeah. it's that their concept of creating chaos is having someone come out on a microphone standing in the center of the ring and stoically saying we're here to create chaos yeah Exactly, whereas someone like the original Dean character would have walked into just any random... He would have been interrupting matches all night. Yeah, yeah, or going on commentary, or, you know, beating up fans, you know, <laughs> which he can't do in wrestling, but, you know, the, the, that, that kind of thing in story would have been what he was doing. Yeah, I'm, I was not, uh, I, I am, I was but we're going to get a chairs match or something at, at TLC, which will be fine. Uh, the thing I wanted to go over was Andrade C and Almas, and the ma- it, 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 this they're is not something- doing something with him, Jeff. Remember when no, we had I that debate? That. Yeah, they're not no, doing something. I with know him. that, but but it's something that they do do that just drives me insane. And we talked about this a bit with the with the Apollo Cruz. It's the one week push. 
Because during that during that match with Ray, they're really putting over what Andrade seeing almost how he's hanging tough here. Oh, I could see him as a future world champ someday if he puts it all together. You know th- those types of things in the narrative, and it's like you really think that they may build off of him off of the loss as well, and that this could be the start of something. And then the next week they just beat him again to Jeff Hardy for no reason other than they wanted Jeff Hardy to be on Team SmackDown, and I'm I was just like. What was the point of all the blowing smoke about Andrade Cien Almas in a loss if you're not going to protect him the very next week as well? That just drives me insane. No, it's a real shame. I love this character, but turning Daniel Bryan heel even further makes it impossible to elevate this guy to where he needs to be. I guess you could have him be the U.S. champion. And maybe we get there eventually, but right now Shinsuke's got the belt, so it's got to hop off Shinsuke, end up on a baby face, and then almost wins it. So that's still several months away. I I have changed my tune on my prediction from uh, Tuesday as well. Uh, this will get us into any of the four shows, but I think we should hold off NXT until last and and do the preview then. But I think they now have to belt Mustafa Ali after Cedric beat Leo Rush. I, I think you have to, and then you have that match. Maybe a ladder match at at uh, TLC. I, I don't know if it's too soon to do that. I see Mustafa and Cedric as a rumble match, as a big-time pay-per-view type match like that. Not to waste it on TLC, but... They have a great sustaining story if they want to tell it. And, and the one thing I will say in favor of the writing on 205 Live is that the people writing that show seem to have a pretty good finger on the show's history, minus, of course, that one guy with the train who we never speak of anymore. (laughs) Oh, the one doing a rap concert on Monday here in West Hollywood, California? Yes. That one? He's like a phoenix. While the WWE is in town? How much of the talent do you think is going to old Real One's concert? Oh, man. Um, Maybe Mello will be there. Somehow I doubt that. Um, I liked, I really liked the Leo Rush Cedric Alexander match. I the, the that bottom rope into the stunner move that he did late in the match that just even 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 Nigel's going, what was that? Oh, that that move was no. Good. It was a really good match, and the story was really good. Leo Rush is a very, very talented wrestler. I actually was surprised that he didn't win the match because I thought that that would have been the more intriguing finish. Further get into Cedric's head. Mm -hmm. I thought thought we were going to do this Cedric losing streak until he snaps thing, but obviously they gave him the big win, and then he's going to snap, I guess, against Mustafa because I don't think Mustafa's going to be the one to go heel. But, I mean, it's... It's just weird. Does it mean that maybe Buddy Murphy retains then? It could be. I mean, I could because be. Because maybe maybe we're just not going to Cedric Mustafa at this point. Maybe Mustafa loses and then Alexander gets another crack at Buddy Murphy because he's finally ready for the rematch. I always forget about that part of the story where Drake Maverick said to Cedric that he wasn't ready for the rematch. Right. And he's going to... You know what? There you go. TLC... TLC becomes Buddy Murphy versus Cedric Alexander. And Cedric comes up short there 
and then he has to get back on the train this time and maybe Drake says he's going to have to work his way from the bottom and that's when Cedric snaps and realizes he's going to have to be more cutthroat. Or may or maybe we just get a multi-person cruiserweight ladder match at TLC and Mustafa Ali comes out on top. That would be or Cedric comes out on top after screwing over Mustafa Ali in a high yeah. profile moment. Yeah, you know, he can do all sorts of things. Uh, the other match here, Jack Gallagher and Drew Gulak against the Lucha House Party basically was there to set up Maria on a video saying that TJP is going to be facing Grand Mental League next week. And uh, that'll be a great match. Um, yeah, that will be a good match. I'm really looking forward to that one. I, 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 I like These Maria's feuds are problem. not hot, but the in-ring action usually is. Yeah. And that's that's the thing is we've seen we've seen Gallagher and Gulak versus the Lucha House Party like eight million times just this year. So it, it really, you know, but but the match itself was fun. But at the same time, you're like, OK, what is this in service of? They stopped even attempting to tell a story with Gulag trying to make a better 205 Live. Mm-hmm. At least much. that was a coherent narrative through line for this show. And when they decided that they didn't want to put the belt on him for whatever reason, then they really didn't have that arc. Because it is easier to make this one-hour show flow when you've got a strong heel. I agree. I think I think strong heels help make shows better. Uh, but that's also... And not- no disrespect to Buddy Murphy, but he's not interesting enough on the microphone to do that part of the lifting as the heel champion. He's great in the yeah. ring. But yeah. he just, he's not getting written well. And I, I think that's partly on the writers and it's partly on him. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree there because Buddy Murphy in the ring comes off like a badass. No, he's great. Like, he, he, he's, he's the, he is the juggernaut in the ring. Outside of the ring, it's, although I did like, I did like the uh, tete-a-tete on, on the way in, even though. <laughs> they keep I'm, teasing this Buddy Murphy is going to be cheating on his weight thing. Yeah, they do. It, it's so weird, but it's also the only show where you shoot. They 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 legit do weigh these guys, <laughs> which kills me. I'm like, okay, so Buddy Murphy decides to have a pizza one week and he has to give up his title. That'd be hilarious. Actually, you know what? That's the way to get the belt off of Buddy. Is he misses weight one time? So so we're gonna have this match between Mustafa and Cedric. That could be something, but uh In the weeks going into it, every cutscene he's eating pizza and donuts. <laughs> <laughs> he's meeting with Drake Maverick and just shoving daily donuts into his mouth. I'm eating my feelings. <laughs> I'm the juggernaut, I'm killing I'm the these juggernaut. donuts. He becomes a middle aged woman all of a sudden. He's just <laughs> just a giant dozen thing of hot and now crispy creams into <laughs> oh man but no it, it's it, it'll be fun and and that'll i think that cedric uh or not cedric but mustafa ali buddy murphy match is gonna really tear the house down I, but i do think it's ow, i do think it's gonna be on the pre-show unfortunately i think it's gonna be a half full crowd to watch it and the worst part about the pre-show is it just means abbreviated attention and time they don't put the effort into really booking these matches to have great moments because like wwe doesn't even like to revisit these things on the pre-show afterwards it it just it's unfortunate because i think that if they want to make 205 live a hotter product they need to start treating it like a better product yeah and there's no reason to do a two-hour pre-show 
for any. I've been saying this forever. I mean, I've now gone to the Rumble and the the Survivor Series, and even a couple of Manias where they had these two hour pre shows. They open the doors, and people are trying to get to their seats, and they're already running the first match, and it's just it, it takes the crowd out of it. The performers are kind of looking around at all the empty seats going, why are we out here right now? It's really demoralizing in some ways. And there's not enough to talk about on a pre-show for two hours with, with the panel. Well, and then then who are they bringing in on this panel? It's like Shawn Michaels. And, and sometimes there are fun antics that ensue when people stop taking their job on the panel so seriously and just start having a good time and kind of like one person does the WWE script and, you know, Michaels and whoever else are aping around. But uh, it, it's two hours is just a lot. Two hours is a lot of build up for for these shows that just simply don't deliver. But I mean, two hours is a lot of build up, regardless. Mm-hmm. So WWE UK NXT NXT UK, we have a women's tournament. Pretty good one, considering yes, the people yes, it is. There. I'm I'm liking the lineup. I you know anybody who's been paying attention knows who's who wins this. But I don't want to give spoilers until it airs, just in case someone. I actually themselves. don't know. I, okay. I, I'm not. I don't even protect myself. I just make it a point to not find out because wrestling is more fun to me when I don't know the spoilers on stuff. Especially when I was doing Lucha Underground, I found it to be a mental health tactic. Triple H comes out, reveals the belt, or has Johnny Saint reveal the belt to a knockoff uh, version of Street Fighting Man by the Rolling Stones. I I appreciated the workaround yet again of uh, of copyrighted material. But, um, yeah, no, the, the, these are the eight women that they're focusing the uh, division around. And uh, I really like Dakota Kai and, and her getting kind of rebuilt here in the UK territory. And I thought uh, Ginny and Millie McKenzie had a, had a pretty good match as well. Yeah, they did. I really like Millie McKenzie. I thought she has really good form on her suplexes. And Ginny, I see what you like about her now. I I mean, I'm not entirely sold on her, but I'll tell you, her finish looks really nice. She does a really good job on that. She has, well, number one, I, li- I just like anyone who can own a heelish presence. And she always she does that. is on. But also with her, she is tiny in real life or at least very thin the amount of damage she she looks like she takes in an average match looks like it would kill the average person and and Ginny just just ragdolls and ragdolls and ragdolls you know what she does very well she does heel selling very well she sells like a heel actually in that match both Billy McKenzie and Ginny were doing a very good job sort of distinguishing the difference between babyface selling and heel selling is something about the way Ginny does it it's unsympathetic and almost comical at times yeah and she'll also just and 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 her her offense is vicious yes and that's what I that's what I like in a heel I, I don't like you know, I, I, th- that's why I liked Leo Rush so much last week. When he went into that vicious mode, I went, oh, here we go. That's pretty darn great. No, I, I love this. Well, the rest of NXT UK, the only thing that stood out to me, I really liked Trent Seven's uh, little backstage interview. Um, yes. Yeah, the Trent Seven match. interview and, was very fun. 
And the match with uh, Zach Gibson was quite good, I thought, too. Yes. Predictable outcome. I knew that Gibson was going to win because they're, of course, just protecting Gibson from having that first loss. But I did like how they protected Trent Seven and the Mustache Mountain feud, so that continues. And we will have this match now between James Drake and Gibson versus Mustache Mountain coming up. Yeah, it looks like we're getting the uh, makings of the uh, UK Tag Team Title Tournament. With, yes, uh, yes. Now they're going to be a team. Yeah, with and also with Andrews and uh, Flash Morgan Webster forming a team. I think that's a pretty damn good team. I'm, I'm really looking forward to see what they do. You know, you have the Coffee Brothers. Wolfgang will get a partner that will probably turn on. So, so you got the buildings of that. The thing that drives me nuts is that they literally call it the WWE or no, they call it the NXT UK universe. Wouldn't the UK NXT be part of the NXT universe? And couldn't they just cut that down? Cause, cause for me as a comic book fan, now I'm thinking now we have crisis on infinite NXTs. Like the DC universe, we have certain. Well, planets, this is clearly something that they've thought about. Like this is, let's get into this. They they've made some sort of weird editorial decision to make the NXT UK universe different from the NXT US universe, which is just the NXT universe. Um, I think so, but I think you're gonna get a lot more. I mean, you you get one more NXT somewhere like a Japan or right. the rest of Europe. And you can start having touring champions. And you can start really having kind of a territorial system. I, 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 I see, see them the, eventually wanting to open up an NXT China. China. I, I could see them pairing with Lance Storm to maybe run a mini PC up in Canada. Even though he's probably making way too much money on his own doing it. But they really like his trainees. So I could see them doing something in Canada maybe. Or... Mexico, perhaps, or something. But Lance Storm would be a really fun general manager. <laughs> if I could be serious for a moment, we're not going to have any of these shenanigans. Yeah. Oh man, he could come out and keep doing that character again. Yes, yes, I am here for general manager Lance Storm. I will not put up with any of this chicanery. <laughs> now, Although no one likes it. a good joke more than me. Although I could also see him turning into ninety-two Bill Watson, WCW. All right. We're going to take the mats out from around the ring and no more top rope moves. <laughs> just, just, a, just, you know, the no fun commissioner. Uh, but Triple H in his, uh, in his conference call before war games kind of said something to the effect of we could, we could start seeing cross pollination of these regional NXTs eventually. So, so I guess that that's a good thing, but overall the show it's it's weird. The thing with the most personality in this show is the crowd. Yes, right. And they make a lot of these matches more interesting than they are on face value. Because these matches would all be duds in the U.S. And the show would be a total dud in the U.S. And it's not just a lost in translation thing. It's that a lot of these stories, like the Coffee Brothers and Wolfgang, they're just not compelling. Right. It, it, it's guys in feuds having matches with one another. No, nobody's really done anything to raise anybody's ire. Nobody's really kind of uh, personality wise. Or when they do, it's in really lazy ways. It's yeah. Devlin getting on the microphone and going, Hey, Legaro, I hear you're a luchador, but you're from England. What's up with that? 
And I kind of like that line. I kinda I, like that line that was line. funny, but it's symptomatic of a problem writ large. I, doing it once in a while, Devlin doing it in that particular scenario, I like. But that's kind of the way they're getting into all of these feuds. No, I, I agree. Yeah, it, it, it's guy shows up here, guy shows up here. Hey, let's have a match. Okay, great. Um, it's T-Bone the- walking in front of Mastiff. And they just stare at each other and they're like, watch what I'm going to do to this guy, which which is okay sometimes. But again, it's all from the same family of ideas. Yeah, I, I find the backstage interviewer a little too cheeky for my taste. I, I understand what he's doing. It's a very it's a very millennial type of thing. But, uh, eh, you know, I, I, I it's I, not I even millennial. Some- it kind of reminds me a little bit of a Nickelodeon host. They had a formula and they just popped people into it. And so now you have this NXT UK universe, ta-da, without really building a universe. So but There was this I'll, fear of overwriting it and making it to US, but I think in that fear of overwriting this show, they have underwritten this show. Yes, I, I would agree there. So that just leaves us with NXT. We'll go with the weekly show first. Uh, I love Bianca Belair. I, I am here for Bianca Belair. And her cockiness and her swagger running headlong into Shayna Baszler after this takeover for the next feud. I I want that. This is that to me is something that's very undervalued in WWE writing, but territory wrestling always got it once in a while. There'd always be this heel who's just a little too cocky for their own good, and they'd run headlong into the badass heel. And so you'd have that natural thing. And, of course, usually what would happen then is the cocky heel would then turn babyface in order to give, your, give you know, the crowd something to cheer for. But um, I, am, I am here for Bianca Belair or Shayna Baszler if they want to do it. Yeah, I, I will say first and foremost, I stand corrected. You were right. I, I thought they were going to beat Bianca here and get Mia Yim going. I, I was surprised by that a little bit. But... I guess, yes, they still have plans to push her to the top. I'm still with you that she's not quite ready. She's still kind of missing something in terms of match flow. Good moves, bad flow. A bit, but her personality has really improved in terms of yes. being on, on no, the No, her personality is great, and the crowd loves her. Yeah. Uh, and they will, uh, you know what? It may just be as simple as wrestling as a baby face versus wrestling as a heel. That might open her up a lot. That might open up just a little bit. Um, also in, in the women's division, uh, Lacey Evans got a, got a win over uh, the, the daughter of Steve King, a, a late 70s, early 80s prelim guy from WWE. Her name was, uh, oh, I had it here and I, I lost it. But I, I thought, uh, you know, I, I thought Lacey Evans, once again, I, I think she's money. I, I don't know if she's going to be a breakout star in terms of that, but I think... I worry if that they, they don't get her. Well, if she stays a heel, they're not going to get her. Because her heel persona will work in NXT. It will not work on the main roster. Right. But if they if they baby her back to being a badass marine mom feminist, I, I think that's that clicks a whole crap load of marketing boxes for them that, that, that they want. You know, they could they could take her on on military bases and have her wrestle and the men will go nuts because she's a former Marine 
You know, they they have the Stephanie type. Oh, she's of like that World War II poster come to life. The we yeah. can too thing. Yeah, we can do it with the yeah. No, I, and and I don't know if I like the women's right as a as a finisher because again, closed fist punches in wrestling are illegal. But um, wait, wait, no. didn't they put out like the official WWE rulebook and modify that? Yes, yes, they did. I did not pick up a copy of that, but I know people who did. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I, I get wanting to be a completist, but uh, the, these rules are subject to change without notice. And then bypassing the coin toss, what later became kind of a staple in WCW War Games, a match for the uh, for the advantage, for the man advantage in the War Games, Kyle O'Reilly beat uh, Hanson, Hanson. Right? What a yes. great casting for this. I, I loved giving Hanson a showcase match here because he has felt a little bit lost in the shuffle, and, and this allowed him to show his stuff in a more complete opportunity. And the pairing with Kyle O'Reilly, Kyle O'Reilly's always great. I love him in singles competition. He's so good. I like him so much more in NXT than I ever did on the indies. It's so weird. This weird. He's had a great ball, run here. This goofball heel charisma. It, 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 it. He never really. You never really saw it in evolve. You did see it in PWG when he was doing the. Uh, he'd occasionally do sleazy Kyle, which is just weird. But um, I absolutely loved that the War Raiders weren't putting up with Pete Dunne and Ricochet's crap. Yes, and they just said, "We're going out there. We're. I'll do it." And then they just kind of walked off. Um, yeah, th- that's what I want out of my War Raiders. I don't want them taking crap from the small guys. I want them going, we're big bad men. We're going to do what we want. You two stay You two stay back here and bicker. There's uh, a way Hanson said it, though, that I really appreciated. Yeah. It was calculating and decisive and forceful. And it conveyed a lot of character with very few words. That, that's why I thought that this worked really great. It just got Hanson over in a way that he hasn't quite been, for me at least, um, since he's arrived here on NXT, although I'm familiar with his work elsewhere. Uh, before we get into the preview, uh, I guess at the TV tapings, which are taking place tonight in San Jose, where basically NXT really began in terms of takeovers. I went to that first show uh, a few years ago before WrestleMania where they weren't really going to televise anything. Uh, they did it at, at, on the campus of San Jose State. I drove up there just for the NXT show, and I came home, and it was one of the best shows that they put on. Um, it was just absolutely great. But they're going to be doing, I believe, the Matt Riddle versus Cassius Ono match. I have a question, Chris. Did Matt Riddle purposely misspeak on debut or does he not know that it's pronounced debut and he just pronounced it debut in his promo oh god i didn't even catch that i'm gonna have to check that out yeah no he he goes i had a heck of a week i made my debut on (laughs) day oh my god no they're not making him the dumb stoner are they I could totally see them making him kind of the idiot savant dumb stoner where he flukes his way to wins. 
I have to go back and look at Kathy Kelly's face to see if she gives up the ghost on that one. That's something that's something we should all do is just go back, watch watch that promo where he's with Ono and see and see if, and see if Kathy Kelly you know, even reacts when he says "de butt" because I, I could just see it. I could see it being a botched line, or I could just see him, you know, being a joke. And this could be the start it. of the character that yes, he's a goofy stoner. And I mean, they have been teasing the stoner stuff. I don't think they're going to do it explicitly, obviously. But when you give him a knockoff of Dr. Dre's music, I mean, the signaling is pretty clear. Yeah, I. uh I thought the promo was okay. I, I'm looking forward to... I've seen a Matt Riddle-Chris Hero match, and it was awesome. I believe it was uh, at the, the Dallas Evolves during WrestleMania weekend. Yeah, I think I saw that match. Yeah, no, that was a fantastic match. So if it's half as good at that, it'll be it'll be great. But And I assume they may be on the pre-show as well. They're, they're, they usually do a couple of uh, matches for NXT television before the actual TakeOver card. Um, so, so maybe we'll get one of those, but, uh, right now we're going to go into our NXT War Games preview, a four match card, very interesting. They are not going to overstay their welcome. And of course, War Games does take a long time to develop because you have to get all the men into the match before the match actually begins. So we start first with, for the NXT women's title, Kyrie Sane getting a rematch versus Shayna Baszler. Two out of three falls, so this one's going to have some time to it as well. I think Kyrie Sane is going to come up short here in this match. I think the fact that Regal didn't address the two helpers to Shayna, whose names are eluding me right now, Jessamine Marina Duke. Shafir. Yeah, Jessamine Duke. Jessamine Duke. Yeah, Jessamine Duke was the one I was blanking on. Thank you very no much. Problem. And. I think the fact that that has been unaddressed means they're going to be involved in the first fall and they're going to get thrown out of the match. But ultimately, Shayna Baszler is going to come out on top. I, you know, looking up and down the this the four matches of this card, I could see three of them with chicanery involved, which may turn this crowd at least slightly onto it in terms of it being a bit overbooked. This one might be, because I think in the first fall, Jessamine Duke and Marina Shafir are going to appear. In the second fall, in order to counterbalance that, you're going to get Io Shirai coming out, maybe with someone else as well, to even it out. And then in the third fall, Kyrie Sane falls short, because there's like chaos outside and someone gets a cheap shot in. Shayna Baszler wins. But I, I do think Shayna retains here. Um, and I think it may set up certain alliances for a six-woman type match. Down right, yeah, I think we're going to build to a six-woman match, but I think the belt stays on Shayna. Yeah, part of me was hoping, hey, maybe they do a women's war games, and that'd be awesome. But uh, uh, Especially with those two potential factions. Oh, could you imagine Kyrie Sane coming off the cage <laughs> with an elbow? <laughs> she might. You know what? Shayna Baszler might be the only woman who could take that. I'm there. Okay, I'm there. I'm there too. I, I've now talked myself into wanting it. So, so make it happen, Captain. Uh, grudge match: Johnny Gargano versus Alistair Black. I think Alistair Black gets the win here, but I think somewhere along the way in this match, both Candice and Nikki Cross get involved. 
I agree. I think Candice LeRae's coming out. I think Johnny Gargano has Ooh, to win this match. Okay, okay. I, th- I I think they're gonna I think they're gonna play us along for a bit. They're gonna finally turn Candice full on heel. They may reunite with Tommaso Ciampa by the end of the night. I was thinking about that. Does Tommaso Ciampa help Johnny get the win here? That would be uh, that'd be kind of interesting. I, I don't know for a fact, but uh, I, I think Johnny Gar- uh, You know what? There, there's one of two th- thoughts here. One is, if they're going to have Gargano go full on heel, and they're going to have Candice join him, Gargano needs to get the win here against Aleister Black. If they're going to eventually do a redemption story sooner than later, Aleister Black has to kick his head off to really, you know, clear his head. <laughs> you know, what were you thinking that you were this driving this this hard to get to the title, blah, 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 blah? I, I don't... Th- but then you'd have to unwrite Candace. So yeah. I think we, we're, we're committed to doing a tandem thing with both Johnny and Candace as crazy i just think it's weird if you put him and champa together i i i don't want to see that i don't think i think that's a bridge too far because you still you can still be a bad guy and hate someone even worse so i i I really hope they kind of it would only work if it was kind of a dracula renfield thing at that point, where Tommaso Ciampa convinces Johnny that he was doing all of this for his own good to make him a better man, and that it's good and right that he has the title, and that Johnny should want to defend Tommaso having the title, because it's like them both having the title. <laughs> we're, co- we're co-title holders. Um, yeah, because we, we've been here all along, man. We've been doing this this whole time. It's been you and me, and you can help me defend this. This is our NXT. For the NXT world title, Velveteen Dream versus Tommaso Ciampa. I am... Let, let, let me get this out of the way. I am looking forward to his in, to Velveteen Dream's entrance here. I think they're going to do it big. I think it may involve an homage to Hollywood Hogan. I don't know for a fact that it might. But uh, I am very interested because his entrances are usually interesting. How do you see the match going? I am also very excited for his entrance because his entrance is one on the level of Nakamura or Bobby Roode that you can just have so much fun really doing up. The match itself, I I tend to agree with you. I think Johnny somehow gets himself involved. And I see Velveteen coming up short here. But the question is, how is Tommaso going to end up coming up with the win? Is Lars Sullivan going to inject himself in the match somehow. See, that's another one. I don't know if Lars interjects himself. I don't know if EC3 interjects himself as well. This could be overbooked to death. Do you? How much of a percentage of a chance do you see them putting the belt on Velveteen Dream here? Low. I think Tommaso walks out of here still champion. I So um, 25-30%. See, Triple H being such a fan of the NWA. I love the Dream. I could see them pulling that. Well, we'll have him come up short this time. And then at Mania or at Rumble, he'll overcome and he'll win. And we'll, that's where we'll get the money and that's where we'll get the pop. 
I'm not so certain that happens, but I do think, and again, we, we always say this before every NXT takeover, who knows what Velveteen Dream you're going to get here because he can be clumsy, he's very big, he's also very game to be very reckless. So um, I'm going to be very interested in that. I think he's... You do have Tommaso Ciampa steering the ship here, yes. though. No, I... Which I think will will be good. And, and look, the Dream's going to try. It's never for lack of trying. It's just that trying doesn't always equal success. Yeah, no. And I, I look, I think it's going to be a decent match. I think they're going to try and cover up for some of Dream's weaknesses by smoke and mirrors and having him do some stunts. And I think one of he'll probably come off the top rope onto the tables on the outside. I think that'll probably be a move he'll he'll want to do. Um, I have it a little bit higher. I, I think there's a I think there's a thirty five percent chance they put the belt on Dream here, but I think it's still but it's uh, not that much higher. I, I, it's still just it doesn't feel like it's his time yet. Yeah, no, I, I agree there too. I I think I think NXT being more traditional, the first time you fail, the second time you win. And I, I think Tommaso Ciampa uh, wins here. And you also just have to look at the other things that are happening around this storyline. Like the Johnny stuff, the way that story is being told. How do you make it work with the Dream is Champion unless you... I, I mean, you know, how's that play out? Tommaso and Johnny reunite to get the belt back onto Tommaso? Yeah, I, I guess I'm. I'm. I'm trying to figure it out too. I don't want to do. Uh, that doesn't feel quite right. I'm. I'm not gonna prognosticate because I just. I just don't know. Um, and then finally the war games match, and I think we're getting a traditional war games cage which with a cover. I don't think we're getting the same one as last time, but I could be wrong on that. But it is the War Raiders Ricochet and Pete Dunne taking on the undisputed era of. Roderick Strong, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish. I think this is going to be a great match. I think that the Undisputed Era is going to come up short. They have the classic heels advantage, which is just good booking. But they did do a lot to set up injuries and stuff going into this match, right? They, they injured two people in one week at the end of this episode. Yeah, I'm... Uh... The Undisputed Era won the War Games last time, I believe. I, I think right. I, I think it's very interesting though that they continue to play up the um, the Ricochet Pete Dunn still can't get along thing because I could see them having the Undisputed Era win again this year. Because Dunn and Ricochet... Well, they set up the two injuries, too. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like they, They've given themselves some outs to beat the babyface team and not make them look bad. Yeah, that's true. Um, I could also see this being the time where one of the Undisputed Era kind of gets a little bit full of himself or becomes a quote-unquote weak link. I could see them doing a Larry Zbysko Dangerous Alliance storyline with a Bobby Fish. Or I could see them having Roddy Strong being a little bit too too chesty here and kind of getting getting in the way of the rest of the Undisputed Era. I could see that being the reason that they, they lose as well. Um but I am gonna go I'm gonna go traditional. I'm gonna say the babyfaces win this. I, I think the babyface team 
uh, has some miscues at first, and then they just overcome. Right, it, right. They, they get on the page eventually. Like I think this Dunn and Ricochet thing, we are building to one more match between them, but I think this time it's going to be kind of a respect thing, but they're going to go all out. But I, I think that they managed to work through differences, at least on this night. I have a weird prop bet for you, and I don't even okay. know how to answer it myself. Every single NXT TakeOver, we've had a major indie star in the crowd watching who was a recent signee. Who is it going to be this time? Oh. Man. Um, who is it going to be this time? Who do you think it's going to be? I have no idea because I don't know who's out there on the market that they haven't signed. Right, yeah. I'm sure that's that what I was trying to think to. about. That's, is- that's the weird thing is always around this time they have a big signing. And they show. What's the, up with Neville? Oh, he no, he's not coming back. Okay, there's no way he's coming back. I don't think. No, he's out on the Indies now. Doing uh, he. Oh, I saw that he wrapped up on Japan the other day. So I, I was just like wondering if there's any chatter about that. I I don't know. You know what? It's weird because they were talking about main roster guys coming into NXT, and Triple H had this big thing about. Well, my goal for this is that we get some guys in there and they never go to the main roster. They're just here on NXT and it's not seen as a demotion. Well, you would have to fix the paycheck. Well, let me, yeah, but let me posit something to you. Maybe Pac slash Neville's bad relationship is only with Vince. He was treated well in NXT, he was their champion. He was treated well in 205 Live. He was a dominant champion on there as well, and he was very, very good for the brand. Not unlike the or unlike the trained dude. Neville was actually good and was a top dominant heel that really carried that show. If you could, He's good. If you could guarantee that he had no interaction with anybody from the main roster in terms of creativity, like he could just go live in Orlando, do the NXT tapings, and then come to do takeovers... I could see them re-signing him, but right now I don't have... There's no real major name out there I can think of that is a free agent that they'll show... That they could show and go, yeah, this is the guy. So uh, those of you who who are a little bit more attuned to the indie scene than I am, tell me who it is. Tell, tell me who you think that might show up unexpectedly or might be a recent signee that I may not just be missing or forgetting. That, that shows up on uh, NXT TakeOver. Because uh, it's usually a man and a woman. So so there, there's two people potentially you could toss out there. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Uh, you can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. Basically, it's just when the episodes upload the tweets. Uh, you follow me at Crap Game 13 You follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. Chris, give them the plugs and give them the Patreon. Okay, our Patreon is patreon.com slash shakethemropes. So please go there and tip us, tip my cats, tip Jeff Hawkins. And you can go and check out my other work, which is Don't Worry About the Government. There's a new episode out just this week. You can find that at don'tworry.tv and on iTunes and Stitcher. There's also a premium episode that was out this week, and that is up at patreon.com slash DWATG. I also host the All in the Family podcast. We're going episode by episode through the television show All in the Family 
taking a look at the episodes, taking a look at what was going on in the culture at the time, how it parallels society today. You can binge listen to that just in a big, long listen on iTunes and or Stitcher. So check it out. You can also go to allinthefamilypodcast.com. I have no tag for the end of the show. (laughs) You get to prepare these, man. (laughs) 